1: Good morning and welcome to the Bottom Line, the programme for and about business on Casey Law. I'm John Purcell with you until 10 o'clock this morning. Thanks to Brian Redmond, for the last two hours of the breakfast buffet and well done to Declan Byrne, the winner of 400 euros in Ireland's easiest quiz. This morning on The Bottom Line, we speak to the first woman president of the Society of the Irish Motor Industry in 100 years. She'll talk to us about attract, attracting more women into an industry often perceived as being dominated by men. Seamus Dorn, Assistant Head of Economic Development at Carlow Local Enterprise Office, will join us to talk training. If you've got an idea for a business, he wants to hear from you, because he's got training that will be of use. And we'll be joined by another guest whose identity remains a mystery history until we ask them 20 questions designed to allow you to get to know them better that's coming up later in the program so stay tuned for that coming your way at about nine thirty-five. but first joining me on the line is Eamon Quinn business editor of the Irish Examiner good morning Eamon good morning John how are you this morning
2: not too bad at all. Yeah. Um, just looking out the window. What's it? Mix, mixer
1: weather. It's, it's, it's still nice. Yeah. Nice morning, well, we're going to discuss the weather conditions for the economy, but uh, rather than surfing over a range of issues, we're going to look at, uh, at inflation. Now, there's one word that's dominated uh, business for the last two years. That's been COVID. Inflation is all the rage these days, but uh, COVID and uh, inflation. How's COVID been dominating the economy? Still quite acute in places like Like China.
2: Yeah, you're right, John. I suppose we've all been trying to make sense of the this inflation, the inflation story, interest rate hikes as the cure for inflation with central banks hiking interest rates, and then the, the, the term return of that, that terrible word stagflation in back into the vocabulary. Um and I suppose um I suppose we also forget, as you are mentioning there about COVID and China, that inflation pressures for businesses and households have been simmering for some time. Um, you know, it, it's a reminder that so much stuff from iPhones to computer chips are made in China and in the rest of Asia and there was actually an early indication of this. uh, (laughs) I'm surprised truly, my my memory isn't what it used to be, but it was only, that that blockage in the Suez Canal was a reminder of how much goods you know, it was only last summer the Ever Given uh, was blocked the Suez Canal and it showed how you know, there was a shortage, immediate shortages of a lot of goods for business Businesses, raw materials for business and products, um, which were obviously from chips to, and already pushing up, you could see with the COVID lockdowns uh, and uh, shocks to that global supply chains, inflation was already simmering even before the explosion of, obviously, what the Ukraine war represented.
1: Yeah, now you mentioned the word there, stagflation. I think people understand what inflation is quite clearly, its it's price increases. What's stagflation? Is that a kind of an, inf- an end state after a period of, of inflation? And what does it mean for the economy? It, it The way it's described, it sounds like a bit of a debt loop kind of thing.
2: Well, people, uh, people are old enough, uh, members, possibly studying this in the 1970s, um, during that other huge shock to uh, to the global economy when oil prices reached ahead. And there's something of the element of oil prices, obviously, from the U- Russia and Ukraine, the invasion uh, of, uh, by, by Ukraine, disruption caused by the invasion uh, of Ukraine by Russia. Um, so we're talking about... Uh, uh, and then also the, the what happens to growth when central banks have to uh, 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 have to intervene to try to. Temper down or kill off inflation when it's g- getting those sort of levels. So you get inflation, and you, you've got the risk then with central banks, with households pulling in and businesses pulling in their spending. That economy sense uh, then uh, at best uh, stagnate. So hence you get uh, you know you get you get that horrible combination of stagflation and the. Um, when when things get out of control, uh, and then the obviously uh, obviously the, the prospect, which is back in vogue in the last two weeks uh, in in the states about the risk of recession.
1: Yeah, and now talking about the states, I think the the inflation rate in the states is somewhere like eight percent. In the UK, during the week they were talking about, I think forty year highs. They're hitting around nine percent. How's the eurozone doing? How's Ireland doing? And are there differences across different areas? Areas and, and and what are leading to those differences
2: well let's so just look at the snapshot uh, of where inflation is running currently as you, as you mentioned they're, they're all setting new uh, 2030 and in Britain um as you, as you mentioned there John's nine percent forecast that's a 40-year high that's a, that's a, that's a those are records not seen since the early Thatcher era um, we're talking about ireland uh again ireland is uh, april's uh, cso figures were showing 7% that's 25 20 to 25 years uh type of uh, uh record germany something similar um us over eight percent currently. Uh, the latest uh, the latest readings for inflation, and slightly standing out uh, currently standing out is it's France. Now they're they're uh, a wee bit or quite a bit slower it's at four point eight percent. And why? Well, I think it's they've got a very very tight price cap. They can afford it because they're in their mix is more nuclear power, so they're less, um, they're less they to rely so much, basically, on expensive Russian gas.
1: Yeah, because um, energy is a, anyway. is a huge component of the inflation overall, isn't it? Um, talk to us a bit about the basket of goods and services, because some people would be quite pleased with the 8 or 9% inflation, because they're seeing raw materials maybe go up by 20% and so on. It's It's a complex picture.
2: Well, it was quite a reminder, wasn't it? Uh, again, this is why the conversations go back to you know the nineteen seventies. The textbooks are, are basically being reopened about where inflation because was. inflation wasn't a thing for decades. Um, it was basically it was definitely a thing in the during that. So we've learnt we've learnt basically since uh, you know since since the February twenty fourth invasion about how much grain Ukraine provides to world markets are. Uh, to global markets so in other words if if the ukrainian uh, grain harvest is cut off prices around the world go up and obviously we've learnt uh we've learnt <laughs> how much embedded the you know german industry and indeed households are even in an ireland which isn't directly connected to Russian gas, particularly Russian gas, also oil, particularly, significantly Russian gas. The huge amounts of gas pumped uh, east, uh, eastwards, east, east to west, across Europe from those um, Russian gas fields through that whole network some of which those gas pipelines transit Ukraine. Uh, um, and the whole politics of energy in Europe uh, has, is, is basically politically fascinating now. Um,
1: what's um, the outlook? Um, <laughs> earlier the year, in the year, I think before Russia invaded Ukraine, we spoke to the governor of the central bank, um, Gabriel McClough, on this programme, who's also a part of the European Central Bank. He was kind of saying that inflation would go up, but it, it'd fall back later in the year. I think that was the outlook um the the war in Ukraine has changed everything has it changed the EU's outlook or the European Central Bank's outlook on inflation it
2: hasn't indeed John yeah we're looking at forecast from the European Commission from the SRI and uh and others, there is seeing inflation here uh, in, in in Ireland peaking in the summer months, in other words, for, for next month, June July, at around eight percent. Um, the for the whole year, so we average this out, that be about that work at about six percent. I see the European Commission a few days ago; the new forecast for inflation was just over six for Ireland. Now, they all see all the economists see. Um, uh, the, 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 the accelerating, right? So to see the rate be accelerating, so obviously price has gone up, but the rate at which it's going up is the price that's gone up, the rate's going it slows down. Mm. And you're still looking at inflation averaging, according to the European Commission, about 3% yeah. uh, next year. These are new forecasts.
1: 3%, now, yeah. So, How confident are you finally aiming on that? Or can we be confident? We're living in a volatile world, presumably if something unforeseen happens. All bets are off.
2: All bets are off. I tell you what, there's a huge big asterisk on that uh, European Commission forecast. And the asterisk is also that, uh, in effect, they're saying all bets are off if... The if Russia turns off the uh, or turns down the gas uh, mm. to 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 Europe.
1: Well, fascinating uh, talking to you about that. I I didn't think I'd be able to hold a conversation for so long about uh, inflation, but uh, you've really explained it well and and shown how complex it is, Eamon, Thanks for joining us this morning on the program. Thanks so much, John. That's Eamon Quinn, uh, business editor uh, with the Irish Examiner, talking to us about that word that's in the news all the time these days, inflation. It's just coming up to eighteen and a half and a half minutes after nine o'clock. We're going to be talking to the first woman president of the Society of the Irish Motor Industry in over a 100 years next. The Bottom Line on KCLR with John Purcell. Brought to you with thanks to O'Neill Foley Accountants, the Southeast
0: largest independent accountancy practice. www.omf.ie
2: Carlo, Kilkenny, KCLR.
1: You're very welcome back. You're listening to The Bottom Line, the programme for and about business, here with you until 10 o'clock. Now, the Big Idea Showcase 2022 took place yesterday with St. Leo's College, Carlo being named as the overall winner with their idea, Trash Scan, uh, which was their concept for technology that would give loyalty points and rewards for recycling. And hopefully we'll speak again with Kim McKenzie-Doyle, founder of The Big Idea, next week to hear more about the event and some of the other category winners. Well, I... I mentioned before the break, we we're going to talk to the first woman president of the SIMI in over 100 years. I had her on the line, but it dropped. So we're going to go to something else, our very popular feature, which uh, in which I ask 20 questions uh, to somebody who will, you, will, you will know through either this program, business in general, and so on. Uh, let's hear who we've got this week.
0: So, hello, my name is Anne Barber, Uh, my business is Butterslip here in Kilkenny, and I would say that I am the creative director.
1: And uh, where were you born, Anne?
0: I was actually born in from County Cork and grew up there.
1: And can you tell us a bit about uh, your family when you were growing up?
0: Yeah, so I have come from a family of six, so mum, dad, six, five brothers and sisters, but I guess like a lot of families... um, big families, we were kind of split up, so when I was growing up, I really remember the times, just myself and my younger brother, some of my older siblings I didn't really get to know until we were older, but... It's great when we all get together now.
1: Yeah and tell us a bit about your education.
0: Um, so I went to school in Fremoy, there wasn't really a choice, you went to Prez, you went to Loreto and then I went to Trinity for a third level. I, My mum and dad said if I went to Cork I'd have to go up and down on the bus and that just wasn't really my plan. So I wanted to go to Dublin, I thought Trinity was a lot prettier so I did European studies there for four years um, with a year in France. I also took a year out and did a year in Germany and um, and then after that like a lot of art students I hadn't a clue what to do so I did a postgrad in business at the Smurfit School.
1: And tell us about your first grown-up job.
0: Um, so my first job after that, I think I applied for, it was an English company um, called Goldsmiths. It's a jewellery, uh, chain of jewellery shops, and they were planning to open um, in Ireland and open a number of branches. So I was taken on there as assistant manager and we trained in the UK and came back and opened the first store in Liffey Valley, which was just opening at the time. And then... Um, I said the plan was to roll out a number of stores then, but it didn't actually happen. We got stuck in Liffey Valley and after eight months I was bored and I left.
1: And who's had the greatest influence on your career path?
0: Um, I would say my dad, one well, of my parents obviously, but my dad really, because I come from a retail background, my parents had a jewellery shop, so that's where I learned pretty much everything I know. Um, he's also instrumental in getting me here in Kilkenny. He sort of set up a, a little meeting, a breakfast meeting with my cousin and suggested we could meet up and there's been a nepotism involved and I ended up here in Kilkenny.
1: And what is the favourite thing about your career?
0: Um, It's a very people-centric business and that really works for me. I'm definitely a people person. I noticed that during COVID, I need to buzz off other people. Um, So when I'm in the shop, you're just chatting to people all day. Um, Buzz off that. It's great fun. It's also very creative. It just allows me a lot of scope to try out different ideas, um, try out wacky things, see how they work.
1: Can you tell us about the most important or a defining moment in your career?
0: Um, I guess... In 2012, we won Irish Times Shop of the Year, so that was massive, Um, and I guess it felt really like a validation for everything I'd been doing up until that point. Um, Yeah, that was a big one.
1: Uh, Can you tell us about your typical working day?
0: My typical working day is quite varied. Uh, Some days I will be in the shop in the morning, other days I'm working at home. Yesterday I was spray painting, bicycle wheels for a window display. Uh, So I get to do fun stuff like that. There's obviously all the admin involved, meeting other people, dealing with suppliers, and then trying to get in enough time in the shopping face-to-face with customers.
1: What do you value most in a colleague?
0: I think what I love in a colleague, and I think what we all need to do is just bring our best selves to work. Um, Because from there, you're at a really good base point that you can then go on to solve whatever problems there are, deal with whatever comes up. But if Like we all spend six, seven, eight hours a day at work. So if you bring your best self, that's a large chunk of your life. That's just going to be a lot better.
1: And how would your colleagues describe you?
0: I think I'm quite a fun boss. I try to like we it's a very fun environment that we work in and I would say essentially I'm in the business of happiness. So if we don't have a happy environment, it's not gonna work for our customers. So we try to keep it light, we keep keep it fun, keep it interesting, creative. I feed them cake all day to keep them happy. Um yeah.
1: How do you deal with setbacks and overcome challenges?
0: I actually love a challenge. Um I think there's a danger when things get very samey that I'll coast a little bit and sometimes we need to coast a little bit but give me a challenge and I will definitely jump in try to get around it try to get over it Um, I remember years ago being in Australia out hiking and came to a big cliff and couldn't get down it so I chucked my shoes down and figured if my shoes went down I'd have to go after it and that's kind of the way I approach a lot of things
1: (laughs) Wow Um, what advice would you give to people starting out in their careers?
0: Uh, I think there's two things that stand out to me which maybe seem contradictory but they do work together and one is the obvious maxim that you do need to prepare, um, do your research etc. But there's also a time to leap um, and fake it till you make it. So I guess my I'm quite quick to go from preparation to leaping. Some people have a longer process um, but at some stage you just have to put on your game face and get on with it.
1: What's the proudest achievement been in your career to date?
0: I guess I have pride moments like frequently when people come into the shop and you get feedback from people. Um, And especially during COVID, we had a lot of people coming in afterwards who were just delighted with the service we were able to provide during COVID. And that um, goodwill and that feedback has really, really kept us going and sort of spurred us into doing more of the same or, or seeing how we can do even better. So I think I get pride in what we do every day, really, which is brilliant.
1: How do you like to relax?
0: Uh, My main thing is walking with the dog down the river. Um, I'm nearly like a hamster on a wheel walking up and down the river with the dog, but I just go without the phone, without headphones and listen to the river and listen to the birds. And if I miss that for one or two days, I definitely feel out of sorts.
1: What's your favourite holiday destination?
0: My favourite holiday destination is definitely Italy, Um, but I go there generally generally at the start of the year, we, I go skiing there every year. Um, so it's a very different side of Italy to the one that most people see right up in the north of Italy. You're in the Dolomites. The mountains are stunning. The food is amazing. Um, and But it's, you've still got the Italianness. The people are hilarious. And But it's a very different side of Italy. It's kind of the Austrian-Italian border. Um, but I'm actually going back in September to go to the same region and go hiking in the mountains. So what is has your life,
1: in, what is your life in business made you realise...
0: I'm 16, 17 years in it now, so, I mean, you're obviously going to grow and evolve as a person in that time anyway, and doing that through the business is brilliant, because you have, like I said earlier, a lot of opportunities to try out ideas um, that you wouldn't maybe have if I was in a more defined career path. Um, I suppose when I started out, I was very much more interested in the buying and creative side of things, and as I've evolved, I've realized that my skill is probably more in people. Um, and that's the part that I really love.
1: Are there any business books that you would recommend and why? I don't think I've ever read one.
0: <laughs> I have discovered podcasts, though. So there's, some good, there's actually some great business podcasts and retail podcasts out there that I listen to. I read articles and journals and stuff. But a business book, I find the language so dry, I can't cope with it.
1: Tell us something about yourself that might surprise us.
0: I can't think of anything. I think I'm an open book. I'm in the shop. I'm literally on display in the shop for eight nine hours a day. You can walk in and ask me anything.
1: What is your favorite piece of music?
0: I do have nine points on my driving license for speeding, though.
1: (laughs) <laughs> and what is your favourite piece of music?
0: I've chosen "O oh, mio Bambino caro" by P- Puccini. Um, from it features in a beautiful film, "A Room to View," which is one of my favourite films ever, one of my favourite books ever, and so I think it's just a gorgeous piece of music. Hey.
1: that beautiful piece of music the choice of Anne Barber from Butterslip that beautiful shop in Kilkenny City Centre and Anne, uh, uh, a great guest and I have to say that she did shock me a bit with her nine penalty points but uh, there you go, that's 20 questions for you designed to give you a bit of an insight into people who uh, you may know through business but it's designed to help you find out things that you didn't know already. Now I'm delighted to be joined uh, by another woman in business on the line, uh, Gillian Fanny is the first president of the Society of the Irish Motor Industry in over 100 years. Good morning, Gillian.
3: Good morning, John.
1: How are you? Hope you like that piece of music there.
3: Good, thanks. Absolutely beautiful, yeah.
1: Yeah, wasn't it? Now, uh, you were elected uh, president of the, Irish, uh, sorry, the Society of the Irish Motor Industry, and uh, not only the first woman, but the first person in quite a while to have a, a term of two years.
3: Yeah, um, I took on the role in 2020 just uh, as COVID was starting. So um, because there hadn't been uh, too many events, we extended the role for an extra year. So it was uh, great to have the opportunity to do a two-year term. A
1: yeah, pretty challenging time for the Irish motor industry during those uh, two years. Tell us about the lowlights and the highlights.
3: Um, yeah, like every other industry, it was very challenging for for our members. Um, I suppose, obviously, in, in terms of the lowlights, like everybody else, locked businesses closed. Um, in terms of the highlights, we were actually very lucky in that, as an industry, we got to uh, to reopen more quickly than a number of other sectors, um, because obviously uh, we we were considered essential. In that, people still need to needed to keep their cars on the road and keep their cars serviced and maintained so from that perspective we were probably in a, in a more fortunate position than some other industries.
1: Now I was talking earlier on to Eamon Quinn of the Irish Examiner about inflation supply chains and all that sort of stuff how's that impacting the motor industry?
3: um well like like every other industry um i mean the, the uh, supply issues uh have have been a big factor for our industry um, yes as you say John inflation um and there's a number of other factors that are outside our control that have made business very challenging um over the last uh in in the very recent past but but indeed over the last 2 years um, in terms of, of new car registrations, um, we are about just, just over 20% behind uh, the new car registrations of pre-COVID levels. Um, and it's very difficult to forecast registrations at present because of that uncertainty um, around supply and, and inflation.
1: Yes, indeed. Uh, difficult to foretell the future, but I suppose if we any of us could foresee the future, we'd all be a lot better off. Life mightn't be so interesting. Um, you're listening to The Bottom Line, the programme for and about business. It's just coming up to 25 uh, minutes away from 10 o'clock. John Purcell with you until 10 o'clock. Uh, we're going to take a break and we're going to come back and continue our conversation with Gillian Fanning, who's SIMI. President, that's the Society of the Irish Motor Industry.
0: With John Parcel. Brought to you with thanks to O'Neill Foley Accountants, offering a broad range of business and advisory services to businesses large and small across the cities.
1: Carlo Kilkenny, KCLR. John Purcell with you until 10 o'clock with the bottom line the programme for and about business. Now the motor industry is a huge part of business in this area with many fine brands uh, across Carlow and Kilkenny and many of them family run uh, and representing all the major motoring marks and brands uh, from all around the world. I'm delighted to be joined on the line by Gillian Fanning uh, the President of the Society of the Irish Motor Industry and before the break she was telling us about how the industry has fared over COVID. Now, um, uh, Gillian, during the week, you released some very interesting research and and it's relevant to to the introduction I gave you, the the first woman president of the SIMI in in 100 years and a perception out there that the motor industry isn't suitable for women, but perceptions like all things um, can change. Uh, And tell us about your research
3: um okay john so uh there's, uh we don't have a definitive figure but uh we estimate that about 10 to 12% of uh, the employees in the industry are women and that's about 10 to 12% of 40,000 people in the industry in ireland um, we had never um We'd never commissioned any research um, amongst the women of the industry, Um, so a few weeks ago we decided to uh, ask the women in the industry a number of questions. So we surveyed about 140 uh, women, um, asked a number of number of questions in relation to um, you know their jobs, their their, uh you know, how they felt about working in the industry, whether they felt it was a, a very male dominated environment because of course, as you say, it's perceived to to be a very male dominated environment and, and of course it is. Um so, just in terms of uh, what we what we got back, um, there are some quite notable statistics. Um, first of all, uh, on a positive note, sixty seven percent of respondents felt that women have become more visible in the industry in recent years. And obviously, SAMI have taken the lead in that by um, appointing a female president. And sixty seven percent of respondents also said that their companies had increased the number of new female employees uh, recruited over the last three years. So that that's positive. Um, However, I suppose on a a more negative note... Over half of the survey respondents felt that women were underrepresented in their organisation, uh, and forty percent said that women didn't have the same opportunities for advancement as men in their companies. So they're all, um, you know, statistics that you know we need to take note of, and uh, we need to look at how we can can improve.
1: Absolutely. Um, so, now yeah. we're talking perceptions, we're talking um, barriers, we're talking reality. You're a woman who's walked the talk. You've you've uh, achieved the the. Job. Job of president, the first president of the SOMI in a hundred years. How have you found it? Have you been confronted by barriers, uh, sexism? You know, uh, bad attitudes towards women. What's your experience been?
3: No, I mean my experience has been very positive. Um I joined the industry about twelve years ago. My background is in in PR communications marketing. Um I joined my family business about twelve years ago. Um and I'm on the wholesale side of the business where there's even less women than on the, the retail side. But absolutely not. Um I've I've always found my male colleagues very supportive and in fact that's one of the, the, the things that came through quite strongly in the survey. Eighty-six percent um, of respondents said that they felt that their male colleagues were very supportive of them. So, you know, that that's very positive. Um, I've never found, um, you know, any any barriers. Um, I work with a lot. I've always worked with a lot of men. They've always been very supportive of me. Um, so, it really is a perception. And why does yes, change
1: take so slow? Uh, come so slowly, then? Uh, do you think is it is it a fact that people? talk about change but they don't do it or does change take time when you're trying to bring about such structural changes as gender equality in the workplace
3: Yeah, definitely. I think change takes time. Um, I don't think the motor industry is alone in that. I think, you know, most industries are now trying to um, address the issue of of gender diversity in the organisation. But absolutely, it it definitely takes time. Um, And I think in terms of motor industry, you know, breaking down those cultural perceptions um, that it is an industry only for for men is is kind of, is critical. And so really what we need to do is um, you know get the message out there that the, the diverse range of roles and opportunities on offer for women in the industry. That's um, important, isn't
1: it? Because sometimes people just think in in terms of of one role, like mechanic, for example. But there's a whole range of roles.
3: Absolutely. Um, I mean, there's obviously sales, marketing, admin. I mean, you know, there's so many different roles. Finance. Um, there's so many different roles on offer, um, and particularly. Um, you know, we're in an industry that's rapidly changing and um, obviously, you know, the technology that's that's already there and the, and the more technology with EVs coming down the road, it's a very dynamic industry, um, you know, and, and is going to become more so over coming years.
1: So are you optimistic uh, as a woman in business, as a woman in the motor industry, are you optimistic that positive change is happening?
3: I think positive change is happening, absolutely, and uh, I, I think the the results of our our survey show that. Um, as I said, I mean, there's a number of things that have come through. Um, you know, in terms of you know what women would like to see, they'd like to see a more flexible working environment. They'd like to see a greater management support. Um, they'd like to see um, an emphasis on on leadership skills and training and mentorship. And um, you know, now that we know those things, we can we can focus on, on developing, um, you know, the looking at addressing the issues that that women have raised in the survey.
1: Well, look, uh, Gillian, it's a pleasure talking to you. And uh, uh, it's good to hear that there is some positive change and that you as a woman in business and as a woman in a high profile role in the motor industry is optimistic about the change we're undergoing. (laughs)
3: Thanks, John. Thanks for having me on the show.
1: It's an absolute pleasure. That was Gillian Fanning, uh, current President of the Society of the Irish Motor Industry. Now, um, another change that happened during the week was the official opening of the first phase of uh, the Abbey Quarter. The Brew House office opened, and O'Neill Foley, who are sponsors of this show, moved their office, offices uh, down there during the week. One of uh, two new tenants in that fantastic Brew House building. And best of luck to David Walsh, the managing partner, Alan Seary, a regular appearer on the show, Sean Ryan, Dr. Murphy, and all the partners and staff down there on their new abode. Now, if you're a sports sports person, training is a key factor for success, and it's the same in business, uh, because training is very important, and our local enterprise offices in Carlow and Kilkenny provide training to scores of businesses across this area on an ongoing basis, uh, and over the two years of COVID, despite the almost total ban on physical gatherings, the training delivered by the local enterprise offices continued. Seamus Dorn is Assistant Head of Enterprise Development with Carlow Local Enterprise Office. Seamus, how has the training been over the last two years?
4: It's it's been a very strange few years, all right, John. When we start or when the pandemic started first, we were delivering a huge range of training courses and all of them were in person. So it took a bit of time to adjust our business model. like most other businesses had to do, they had to change the way they were doing things. We had to change our delivery of training to online and to be fair to our participants and to the trainers, they adopted to it very quickly. And over the last two years then People have been training online. It's worked well. Uh, we still had very good numbers throughout the pandemic of business people who were looking to take part in various types of business training. Now, as we're coming out of the pandemic, one of the things our clients were saying to us is, while they appreciated the. Time saved uh, by having training online. They also missed that interpersonal aspect of it and the opportunity that training gave them to meet up with and network with uh, with their own counterparts from other small businesses throughout Carlo or its neighbouring counties. So what we're trying to do now with our training is bring in a form of a blended model to it. So some elements of training will be delivered online uh, to to offer people the convenience of being able to do it in their own homes or in their own workplaces and then other parts will be done in person so give, to give people an opportunity to come together to network and to discuss common problems so certainly the way training is delivered now will be different to the way it was delivered three years ago before the pandemic but it will also be different to the completely online model that the pandemic got, brought with it. It'll be somewhere in between and I think looking at the needs and the interests of local businesses that's probably the, the best approach we can take
1: on it. Mm. Now uh, a huge range of courses uh, that you've got for people in business but I suppose let's start with talking about by talking about start your own business. Lots of people with business ideas but it's really important that people get a good grounding in the issues and I think your start your own business courses does to do just that, tell us about them
4: It really is John it's, it's to give people the opportunity to understand what they're getting into if they want to start a business for the first time so there, it, there's a number of stages to it and the first one is to understand what self employment and business ownership means both the positives and the negatives to it and to give people the understanding that will allow them to make up their own mind as to whether that is an option for them or not and what we would find is in a percentage of cases where people might like the idea of starting their own business first when they explore it fully they, they see the drawbacks that it brings in terms of the lack of security of income and the legal responsibility to have to pay debts or pay other people's wages and it might be for everyone. And a part of the Start Your Own Business programme is to give people that understanding. But then when you go beyond that, it's a very good grounding in terms of how to start up a business and what you need to do to then make it successful. So to look at the, the legal aspects of what you need to do to register the business, what you need to do in terms of getting the correct forms of insurance or other legal requirements in place, then how you finance the business, how you market and sell the business, what you need to do if you're employing people for the first time, because that is something which will be quite new to a lot of people and they might have a, an understanding of it, but it takes a very broad approach, looking at each of the different aspects that goes into making a business a, a success, and try to give people then the skills and understanding needed to, to give them the best chance to make a successful go of it if they do decide to, to go down the route of self-employment and business ownership.
1: Yeah, well, Look, you're listening to The Bottom Line, the programme foreign about business on KCLR. I'm speaking to Seamus Dorn, who's Assistant Head of Economic Development at Carlow Local Enterprise Office. We're going to take a break now, but we'll be back to talk some more with Seamus about the different courses uh, that Carlow Local Enterprise Office are offering over the coming months to people in business. Don't go away.
2: The Bottom Line on KCLR with John Purcell. Brought to you with thanks
0: to O'Neill Foley Accountants. Now offering a complete life and pensions advisory service to business. Www.omf.ie.
1: You're very welcome back. You're listening to The Bottom Line, the programme for and about business on Casey Law. I'm John Purcell with you until 10 o'clock now. I'm joined on the line by Seamus Dorn. Seamus is Assistant Head of Economic Development at Carlow Local Enterprise Office. And we were talking before the break about Start Your Own Business courses, all as part of different supports and trainings that the local enterprise offices are offering to people in business. Now, Seamus, I suppose when people start a business, that's one thing, but they need to manage it and keep it on the road. And you've got a management development, Program just to do that thing. Tell us about that.
4: We do indeed, John. We have a management development program starting next uh, week, next Thursday, in fact, and that's been delivered jointly between ourselves and our colleagues in the local enterprise office in Kilkenny. So, any uh, established business in either Carlo or Kilkenny who is interested in this are certainly welcome to talk to their local enterprise office about it. Mm, it's important free... to stress
1: that's across Carlo and Kilkenny, so anyone listening.
4: absolutely it's delivered in partnership by both the local enterprise offices in Kilkenny and in Carlow so we're we're open to businesses from both counties who would be interested in taking part in it and it's very much aimed at the business owner who has been established a few years at this stage and wants to take stock of where they're at now it could be that the business is in a bit of a rush and they need to take some time to assess where they're going. Or it could be either that they're looking to go into the next phase of business growth and development. So it look at each of the different elements that go into making a business a success and also into how to grow that business when it's reached a certain point. So it, it, it will go over every aspect from finance to marketing to um, sales, to people and leadership, but it would be very much of the understanding that the people taking part in it are established business owners. They've reached a certain point in their business career and are looking
1: to now take their business to the next step. Yeah. Now, another uh, important group is the retail sector, hugely disrupted, huge changes, and a lot of them went online. You're doing retail training now that I suppose the COVID environment has calmed down. What kind of stuff is this going to address?
4: It's uh this is a very interesting program that we've we've developed, John, it's aimed at small retail businesses in County Carlow, and it's going to involve a mixture of training, mentoring, and mystery shop visits as well. It'll look at how to make a success of a retail business, so it it will look at things like the presentation of the business, the stocking of the business, the marketing of the business, and it, it will look at how to attract in people first, and when you have them, how to maximize their time in, in their in your shop to to increase their their spend
1: mm, now unfortunately seamus we're running out of time and we don't have time to go through uh, many more of the courses you do retail development as we mentioned online photography and video uh, production uh, just some of them if people are interested in finding out more about the training or want to kind of get some clarification and so on what should they do
4: They're very welcome, John, to contact our own office here. However, all our training courses are also listed on our website, localenterprise.ie forward slash Carlo. And they'll get to see everything we've planned over the next few months. As you mentioned a minute ago, we're doing quite a lot over the next few months in the whole line of digital marketing, social media. It's a critical area for any business. And we've six or seven uh, short training programs uh, between now and the end of the year, focusing on specific topics like
1: that. Mm, well look Seamus thanks very much for joining us on The Bottom Line. That's Seamus Doran, Assistant Head of Economic Development at Carlo Local Enterprise Office. Good morning Seamus. Thank you Don. And thanks to Seamus and that's all we've got time for this week on The Bottom Line. Remember if you have any comments or ideas you'd like to get to us, email Line at kclaur96fm.com and you can listen back to this or any episode of the show by searching for The Bottom Line on KC Lore, on the Apple Store Google Play, Spotify or best of all on the KCLR app and uh, this edition of this programme should be up on Monday thanks to all our guests this week on the programme Eamon Quinn Gillian Fanning Anne Barber and Seamus Dorn thanks to Deirdre Drummy who produces the show and thanks to you all for listening we'll be back next Saturday just after the news at 9 coming up Edward Hayden will be taking you through until 12 o'clock and we're with you all day every day with music, news, sport information and chat best of luck to both Kilkenny and Carlo, and best of luck to both teams in the Casey Laura McAlmain Cup final this week, and that's it from me. Until we speak again, uh, take care, take it easy, and keep the faith.
2: KCLR's Bottom Line.
0: Brought to you with thanks to O'Neill Foley Accountants. Now offering a complete life and pensions advisory service to business. www.omf.ie
1: Until we speak again, uh, take care, take it easy and keep the faith.